We thank you for that special music. Certainly, uh, I think as we heard those words, that as we go through difficult times, valleys, uh, questionable times, uncertain times, uh, there is Jesus always there for us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us, does he? And so it's good to know that. I want to read this morning from Luke, the 15th chapter, uh, just verses 8 and 10. That's a part of three little parables that's given there in the 15th chapter of Luke. It's the one in the middle of that, and it's talking about lostness with all three of those. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. May God bless the reading, the hearing, and the understanding of this precious and holy word. Helping the lost find their way. Talking about losing things, I I don't know if you lose anything much in your life. It's easy to lose stuff like phones, as they were talking about. Uh, You may have lost your glasses and found them on top of your head. Or car keys is another easy thing to lose. Uh, I'm sure we all have a litany of those things. I remember um, when I was pastoring in Oxford taking a group of young people to Myrtle Beach, and uh, we did different things. Sometimes we did Bible studies within our own confines. Sometimes we went on the beach and did a puppet ministry at that time. We did backyard Bible clubs. And I remember that um, I had my bathing suit on, and I took off one morning just to see the site that we were going to. And, and uh, I got out of my car. I had my wallet in my uh, front uh, pocket and uh, went uh, close to where a Holiday Inn was at Myrtle Beach and went across there and looked at the site and got back in my car and I started back up the road and, and I just patted my wallet and it wasn't there. And I thought, oh my goodness, didn't have a ton of money in it but had all of my credentialing in there and and all those driver's license and those things, credit cards that we sometimes depend upon. So I turned back around, went back <clears throat> to where I was, walked inside the Holiday Inn, and was about to go to the desk and said, you don't happen to have seen uh, a wallet or uh, something that had Randy Bridges' name on, did you? And uh, about that time, a guy behind me tapped me on the shoulder. He said, are you Randy Bridges? I said, I sure am. He said, is this your wallet? I said, oh, I could hug you. (laughs) And he gave it back. I appreciated his honesty, but it's good to find that. Uh, Some of us remember the day before you had GPS on your cars, or you had uh, Waze, or you had uh, Google. And you could just go to your phone and hit home, and uh, you could about drive there with your eyes closed. We remember those days sometimes of being at a new place. And uh, how many times have we stopped at a service? We called them service stations or filling stations in those days, and got out and said, Could you tell me how to get 
or we would find a, a policeman and, and say, could you lead me to where I need to go? And, and I've had sometimes them to actually give me an escort to the place that I was going for a wedding or, or some church that I was trying to find. But do you know what it's like to be lost? Can you get in touch with that feeling that you've had in the past, whether it was in a car or whether it was in a store or whether it was in the middle of the woods? Can you get in touch what that felt like? to be lost and sometimes have great fear and uh, trepidation about trying to find your way. I wonder sometimes not just the physical lostness, but I wonder about in the world in which we live, how many people are spiritually lost. And not only are they spiritually lost, but I wonder how many don't even know that they're lost, that they need to be found, that they need a Savior, that they need a Lord of their life, and what it would be like to live under the guardianship of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I often wonder about that in the world in which we live in today. There was not long ago on a major TV news network presented a, a very powerful and amazing story about redemption that occurred in the life of a notorious drug addict and user and one who pushed drugs. And the program was entitled The Doctor and the Reverend. And the doctor was a man who was well known. He was much feared in one of the roughest and toughest sections of the United States the Badlands of Philadelphia. It was a run-down inner-city neighborhood infested with drug addicts of all ages and drug deals were going down all the time in very dangerous parts of the town. This particular man was called the doctor for he had been doing drugs and dealing drugs and shooting himself and others up uh, with heroin for 35 years. Now that's, that's pretty unusual as I read about that and as what I know about that in dealing with people who have been addicts. Most of the time, they don't live that long doing heroin. It's become sort of the drug of choice in the United States because it's fairly cheap and it gives them a high real quick, but it's easy to get some bad drugs and to OD. And to die. But he had been doing drugs for some 35 years. He had been thrust out into the streets of Philadelphia at the tender age of 13 years of age. Had been a drug addict. Had been a pusher all of these years. The doctor was his nickname in the badlands of Philadelphia. He was also known as Seville because of his habit of stealing uh, Cadillac Seville's and then selling them very quickly and getting some quick money so that he could uh, use that for his drug uh, addiction and also to be able uh, to buy other drugs for business. Seville, the doctor, was a rough and tar, uh, tar, hardcore sort of individual. He was a hostile character. He would walk by people and people would give him plenty of space and room because they feared him so much. Seville, the doctor, 
had something, though, that occurred in his life that he never expected. A real change took place when an attractive young lady uh, who had become a minister decided uh, to do something uh, in an area in which he lived to go and serve God in the bad lands of Philadelphia. See, she wanted to be a missionary in Africa. But after having five kids and becoming married, uh, that door began to close, and so she saw this opportunity to come and be this missionary in the bad lands of Philadelphia. And so she arrived there, an incredible situation, to undertake such a faith venture in such a scary, dangerous place. She could only imagine uh, what it might be like there in the midst of these horrible circumstances. But in faith she went, and the very first day she did a very courageous thing. She stopped a drug addict on the street and asked, who's the baddest of the bad in the badlands? Immediately this addict replied, that would be Seville the doctor. No question about it. He's the baddest of all those down here, but if you go near him, you need to be careful. She got directions on where to find him. And she boldly went to him, and she told Seville uh, who she was and what she was wanting to do and how, in the spirit of Jesus Christ, she just wanted to help people to have a better life. Well... He heard her and was impressed by her and sent out word that nobody was to, to harm the reverend. She was protected in that area. She was to be treated well and with respect. So she began her ministry there and became a very beloved and respected person in that inner city. And as Seville, the doctor, began to watch her and understand her, and understand the ministry she had, his heart began to soften. And he felt God pulling him towards who he was. And he began to realize that if he wanted a better life, that God himself was his only hope. So he turned to God and went into a rehab to get help for his drug addiction. And by the help and power of God, an amazing grace thing happened. A new man was transformed in the image of Jesus Christ. He no longer had anything to do with drugs. He no longer uh, had uh, the ability or the desire to go and sell drugs to other people. He absolutely was a different human being. He was a new person in Jesus Christ. They did this newscast thing and the TV correspondents interviewed uh, both Seville the doctor and, and also uh, the reverend, this minister. And they asked him, what was it, what one thing uh, caused you to change your life and that you had this miraculous turnaround? And without hesitation, Seville the doctor said, Jesus Christ. Well, the newscaster, that wasn't enough. He said, yes, I know that, but tell me more. Aside from that, what factors were involved? Seville only smiled and said, there were no other factors, my friend. There is just one factor, and that is Jesus Christ. 
for 37 of his 50 years, Seville the doctor was lost in drugs, lost in crime, lost in addiction, lost in the sins of the world of that day. And then out of the blue, there came God looking for him through uh, the use of a young missionary minister. She showed up in the badlands of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Seville, who was once lost by the grace of God, was found. And his life was turned around. And that's what the parable of this last, this lost coin is really all about. Being sadly lost and then joyously found. In Luke 15, we find back to back to back parables there, don't we? Of the lost being found. First, the lost sheep parable tells us like a lost sheep, people get lost and by just wandering away and drifting away, and I've heard story after story in my days of ministry how people, they don't know how it really happened. It happened sort of slowly over a period of time that once they were involved in church, once their faith was dynamic and vibrant, and now all of a sudden they found themselves that drifted away like getting on a float and all the way out in the middle of the ocean as they started on the shore. And then we find the second story of lostness is this lost coin. It reminds us sometimes that people can get lost through no fault of their own. They get lost because of the actions sometimes of someone else. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. Then thirdly, uh, the lost son parable depicts how people sometimes with their own will, they become rebellious and we find them with their own arrogance and pride, thinking they can go out on their own and do their own thing. And their actions sometimes cause them to get in real trouble through their selfish choosing. But in Luke 15, in all three cases, the lost are found and brought home, and we find their place back in the family of God. Today, let's take a closer look at that lost coin parable. How... Uh, did the coin get lost exactly? And why was it so urgent that they find it? And why were they in such a joyful situation when they found it? Losing a coin in Palestine could have been a big deal because that coin could have represented one whole day of wages. We don't think about one little coin representing very much today. If we lost a coin, matter of fact, how many times have we found coins uh, laying alongside uh, some path that we were going through, maybe at the store going to our car or something, and uh, we don't even care to pick them up when we see them anymore. But it was a big deal in that day, and so in Palestine, Palestine uh, there were no big windows, no skylights, there were no light bulbs, there were probably only about a 12 to 18 inch round window that was in the house, and it was dark, and it was hard to see in there. If you can imagine how it would be in your house when it is totally dark. But we find also that William Barclay, in his daily Bible study commentary, talks about and suggests that there may be another reason that she was eager to find this. For he says, oftentimes the mark of a married woman was a headdress 
that was made sometimes of ten silver coins linked together by a silver chain. For years, maybe, a girl would scrape and amass uh, all these coins together and finally get that headdress. And then all of a sudden, one was missing and she was trying to find it. It was almost like uh, we would consider our wedding ring or wedding bands. And how joyful it was to find that lost coin and to place it back in that headband that she had saved up and scraped for all this time. So we find in this parable it talks about losing and finding and how important that is. And it makes this parable unique and different from the other two in that the coin that gets lost is really no fault of its own. It doesn't wander off like the sheep. It doesn't run away like the prodigal son. No, it gets lost because somebody else drops it. Somebody else loses it. Somebody else uh, lets it get away. And there is a real sermon in that, isn't there? It's a sermon about our awesome responsibility not to lose the coins that are precious to us that God has given to you. You've lost something, I'm sure, in your life. Maybe you said this week that was very precious to you. And the joy and jubilation you may have had when you found it. And if you got everybody in the house looking for it, like sometimes happens in our house, uh, we're just delighted to find it so you don't have to look for it anymore. But it tells us in this parable it underscores the fact that we have an awesome responsibility to our church. Have you thought about that? We're pretty individualistic. And admittedly, sometimes even pretty selfish. But I wonder if we understand in this parable that it may be saying that we all have an awesome responsibility to the church to the local church, to the church nationwide, worldwide, as followers of Christ, as members of the church. We have a great responsibility to live constantly in the Spirit of Christ and to represent Him and His church well so that others don't get lost. Every Sunday, indeed every day, people come to our church and the way we treat them the way we respect them, the way that we speak to them, the way that we relate to them determines whether or not they may come back to this church. What an awesome responsibility we have as Christians and as church members. Those of you who have been attending for some time, you know that one of the things that I usually said uh, at least once, if not twice during service, was please speak to those people around you before you leave. We want to be known as a caring and a friendly and a loving church. It's important that we notice those who are coming, particularly those who are visitors. I would usually say that once or twice. Now, that was before the coronavirus. Sort of got me buffaloed since the coronavirus because we're keeping social distancing and we quit shaking hands and we quit hugging and we didn't want to give any uh, problem for somebody else to get their coronavirus. 
But I want to tell you something. If we don't let people know that they matter to us, then it may not matter to them whether they're involved in this church or any other church. Sadly, and you've heard me tell some of these stories, when we don't reach out to one another, we're making a statement. We need to make a concerted effort to be the church today that God would have us to be. Sometimes I wonder about this. Is there anybody anywhere in the world who is not in church because of me? Have I ever said something or done something or failed to do something that drove somebody else away from the church? Or on the other side of the coin, I wonder if there is anybody anywhere in the world today who is in the church because of me. Have you thought about that? Have I ever said something or done something or touch someone in a positive way that has brought them to Jesus Christ or has brought them to the church. You see, it's not about us, but we are representatives of Christ. We call ourselves by the name of Christian, which says we represent Him both inside this church and outside of these walls and we are to proclaim Him as our Lord and Savior as we do that. A young, beautiful girl with two preschool kids decided, you know, it's time to me to start getting my life put back together. She'd just gone through a divorce. She felt like she needed to get in church. And she needed to get these two preschool children in Sunday school. And so she decided one Sunday we'll just go down to the local church and get started in this process. And as she drove up and pulled into the visitor's parking that that church had designated uh, for visitors who would be coming, it started raining. I mean, it started pouring down. And she thought to herself, well, there's no way that I'm going to be able to get these two young girls out and myself without getting soaked. So I just might as well go back home. And about the time she was ready to start to go back home, there was a knock on the window. And it was one of the ushers at the church. And the usher had two umbrellas. And he gave her one and he took the other and took one of the little girls in the church and she took the other daughter in the church. Pretty insignificant, we may say. That family is involved in that local church today because of an usher. It wasn't because the preacher preached just a great sermon and the music was fantastic that morning. It was because somebody showed compassion and love at a moment they needed it. She was already hurting. God calls us to look for those opportunities, for those lost people who are struggling in the world. 
And it might mean that God would give us spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear if we're going to do that. We have to get out of the confines of our own little world. You understand what I'm saying this morning? If we're going to do that. But it's important. If we want the church to grow, I hear constantly every week somebody, some pastor, staff member, or church member, somebody's always, we're talking about church growth, right? Everybody wants to grow. The church in America is in decline. Before the coronavirus, it was in decline. It's really in decline now. Most churches don't have 50% of their people has come back yet. Even the 90% that's been vaccinated hadn't been back yet. The church is in decline. If we want the church to grow, I'd like to think that I could preach such good sermons that everybody just fill this place up every Sunday and and the music would be fantastic, and the children's sermon would be just overwhelming, and folks just couldn't help themselves. They'd have to come every Sunday. I don't think that's going to happen, guys. <laughs> I think it starts with something like this story where we have developed a relationship with somebody that we let them know that we care about them, that Christ really matters to us, that we don't just become people who are fed by God's Word, but that we become the living Word of God through Jesus Christ impacting our lives. And if we're able to do that one by one and two by two, you see, that's how Christianity spread after Christ left this world. They went out two by two and three by three and they began to touch and influence people as they did missionary work. We're all missionaries this morning. Every single one of us are called by God to be missionaries, to be ministers of the gospel, not to just bathe in His Word and to fill His Spirit and all that's wonderful. But that we go out and seek and find the lost. I hope that you're making a positive impact. Those that come to this church, those who don't come to this church, know that we're believers of Him. Not long ago, one of our members said to me, you're such a caring and loving and wonderful person, you must be a Christian. And they said, yes, I am. And they said to him, listen to this, what church do you go to? That's the church I want to go to. If we're not making an impact there, then we are not doing what God has called us to do. This parable underscores the fact that we have a great responsibility to our friends and to our acquaintances. There's an old story about a college student who accepted Jesus Christ while he was in college. And as most of our college students do, and I did, and some will be doing this summer, they go and get a summer job so they can make some spending money and maybe help even with college expenditures. He went and took a job away from his hometown in a logging camp that summer. Now, 
I haven't been in a lot of logging camps, but I've heard some stories about logging camps. They're, they're pretty difficult places. The language is pretty tough. The behavior is, is not always becoming to a Christian. And his church was concerned about it. And so they said they prayed for him while he was gone, that he would be able to be the influence and the witness that, that God had led him to be, and that he wouldn't fall in the cracks while he was away. He came back after being gone for the summer. And some of the members asked him, did you make it all right? Was it difficult? Did those lumberjacks give you a hard time because of your faith? He answered, I made it fine, no problem at all. They never found out that I was a Christian. (laughs) How many people have we kept on the quiet about that we're Christian. We don't want to let them know that. We're afraid they'll judge us because we don't measure up to that standard maybe sometimes. But I think this parable says we need to find those lost friends and acquaintances that are around us. Can people tell that you're a Christian? Do your friends... And co-workers know that you are a Christian? Do you stand out in a crowd because the Spirit of Christ is vibrant and radiating through you? Or do we just hope to sort of blend in? What would happen if you went to work this week and you said, boy, Somebody said, how was your weekend? You said it was fantastic. I said, really? What in the world happened? I went to church. (laughs) And God spoke to me. And he called me to be a different person. Or I went to church and I I had so many things on my mind and, and I was just surrounded by fear. And all kind of trepidation entered my life. And I went to church and experienced God in His fullness. And it was good to be in the house of the Lord with fellow believers. You think somebody may say, well, gosh, I hadn't thought about going to church. And I guarantee at some point, somebody will catch you in the break room or at the copy room or at the water fountain and say, I I got some bad news this week about my mother. I know you're a Christian. Would you pray for her for me? Or... I'm going through a time of anxiety and discouragement and depression. I I don't really know what to do, where to turn. Could I talk to you about your faith in Christ and what that's meant to you? I, I used to go to church when I was small with my parents and my grandmother. But I haven't been in years and I really am not very spiritual anymore. Could I talk to you about 
what your faith and what your church and what God means to you. I, I want to understand that better. And you began to cultivate a relationship that may lead that person to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Isn't that the business that we're in? Is it just something that we sing about or do we really believe it in the very depths of our heart? You see, if we really believe it, we'll act on it. Let me ask you a question. Don't you share, don't you exhibit the things you're excited about? Don't answer out loud. But if we're really excited about our faith, we really believe in God that we talk about in the Bible, that we pray about in our private life, in our services, that we sing about, then we'll actualize that in our behavior too, won't we? As Christians, we have a great responsibility to the church, friends, and acquaintances that we live our faith daily and help others see the light of Jesus Christ in us. You don't have to wear a sign or get on a soapbox or even preach on the street corner. But we're consistent and we're faithful and folk know it. And we live it. It starts with us. It doesn't start with those that are around us or those on the outside or those sometimes that we think uh, have reached a certain level of spiritual maturity. It starts with us. This parable is talking about you. This parable is talking about me this morning. It's calling us forth to make a commitment to be followers of Jesus Christ. You see, it's God's amazing grace because every single one of us, and I'm talking about spiritually now, were once lost. And hopefully you've already experienced being found. If not, you can experience it this very morning. And that's what the gospel is all about, isn't it? The question is, are you going to be one of those who help seek the lost that they could be found? Amen and amen. Well, may God bless you on this day that we've come to worship the Lord. And I hope that, that small parable that we find in the middle of two other parables in the 15th chapter of Luke speaks to you. It spoke to me as I was preparing this message. It spoke to me and, you know, we get wrapped up in our worlds, don't we? And sometimes we miss the most important piece of it all, we're searching for happiness and joy and contentment in our heart. And God has pointed 
at each of us this morning his finger and said, I want you to be a witness, an ambassador, a servant of mine. What do you think about that? As we've sat here and as we've heard the voice of God, we've already made a decision, haven't we? And I hope your decision is to be more active and more available and able to be seen by more people so that the kingdom of God, not just the church, but the kingdom of God will grow because God uses us. It may feel like it's small and insignificant, but every one of us working together to do the work of God has tremendous effects upon this world that we live in. It begins, my friend, with each of us finding those lost coins that are always around us. May God bless you. Would you stand in closing word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are able to come to this place. That we come to this place to assemble not to be seen, not to be glorified, not to be praised. We come to this place to honor you, to worship you, to understand what you would have us to be and to do. Father, so often we find ourselves going with the flow, missing opportunities to be your faithful servants. So this coming week, may we make a concerted effort to be able to be your witnesses in the world that we live in, to do it inside the church and outside the church, to do it with those that are family members and friends and acquaintances that will share the gospel not just through word but also through actions, that we will be such a shining light in the community that others would be drawn to Jesus Christ, not because we're so great, but because Jesus Christ is so great. Now bless our people as we go, and we thank you for your love and grace. In Christ's name we pray, amen.